On April 4th, see me at the Comedy Shop at the Regency House in Pompton Lakes, New Jersey. April 9th to the 12th, Laugh Out Loud Comedy Club in San Antonio, Texas. April 18th, the Brokerage Comedy Club in Belmore, New York. April 19th, the live Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast with Louis Black at Caroline's on Broadway. So to get tickets or find out more information, go to www.gilbertgottfried.com. Hi, this is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert and Frank's Amazing Colossula... Colossula. <laughs> That's a Yiddish term, Colossula. <laughs> Put on... It's uh This is a colossal obsession. And, and I want to... For, for all our Jewish friends out there, I hope you have a very happy... Colossal holiday, where, oh, where, where we where uh, we tie weights around our necks and make ourselves suffer. Wow! In many Doesn't ways. sound like much of a holiday. Yes. At all. Well, these are Jewish holidays. You make yourself suffer more. <laughs> so, you want to reestablish for people okay. what, these, what these are? Well. <laughs> What this is, amazing colossal obsession. Now I messed up colossal. That's okay. Uh, no one's listening. Yeah, that's fine. Um, it's it's just movies that you may have heard of, may not have heard of, but uh, uh, me, Gilbert Gottfried, and my partner, uh, Frank Santo Padre. And when I say partner, it... <laughs> It doesn't mean... You mean that Cynthia Nixon as yeah, a partner. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah. It's not a Rosie O'Donnell partnership going on I here. I wish. Yeah. <laughs> Believe me, I take it at this point. <laughs> so, so, so... What's um, your movie for this week, oh, Gilbert? Okay. I'm sure they're all wondering. Okay. Uh, my movie this... It's funny. Last time we spoke... I mentioned a uh, Sidney Lumet film. Oh, Bye Bye Braverman. Yeah. Yes. And so that got me thinking about Sidney Lumet. Not in the way I think about you. <laughs> of course. Sidney's gone. Is, oh, that's going to be tough. every night. <laughs> no. You need so, a bouquet of roses and a shovel. <laughs> so, and I thought, I mean, not just that I thought, he was one of the great New York directors. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, you want to see, like, old New York. Sidney Lumet is one of those. Serpico, Dog Day Afternoon. Yes. Uh, Prince of the City. Yes. All, all of them. Great films. And um, so another film. Uh, was The Pawnbroker oh, with Rod Steiger. Very good. And uh, Rod Steiger plays a, a German Jew who's a survivor of the concentration camps. And now he works as a pawnbroker in Spanish Harlem. And 
the he's he's Saul Nazeman, and he plays this character who can only survive by blocking out life. He has like no feelings, no memories, nothing. He's like blocked out from the world, and um, it's it's. Uh, I I think it's with without question Rod Steiger's greatest performance, and and Rod Steiger because he could overact in some films. Oh Rod yeah, Steiger. yeah. He could choose some scenery. I, as a matter of fact, um, Sidney Lumet didn't want Rod Steiger in it at first. Really? Yeah, uh, because he said, I think what Sidney Lumet said, Rod Steiger is talented to be sure. But uh, a tasteless actor. Interesting. I and wonder who he wanted for the part. Yeah, he wanted James Mason. Oh, really? Yeah, he wanted James Mason as uh, Saul Nazeman, which would have been an interesting choice. Very different movie. Yeah. Uh, but Steiger wanted to work with Sidney Lumet because Lumet had directed him in a TV production uh, of some uh, play and he he liked him and trusted him, and so he allowed Sidney Lamette to uh, pull him back to rein him in. And uh, who else is in the picture? Okay, it's uh, Geraldine Fitzgerald. Oh, she was great. Uh, Brock Peters. I remember Brock Peters. Uh, the Killer Mockingbird. Oh yes, yes. Sure. And and also, um, uh, what was that? Oh, the. Um, the incident. That's right. The incident. Martin Sheen. Right. Tony Musante and, in the yes, incident. Yes. Yes. Very good. And I think Ed McMahon. Is I think in he that. is. Yeah. And uh, also in it, uh, Raymond Saint Jacques. Sure. And someone who's best known as Poppy in the Seinfeld episode. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Rennie Santoni. Yes. <laughs> From Enter uh, Laughing. Yes. 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 And the music was done by Quincy Jones. And Quincy Jones wrote a song in it called Sol Bossa Nova, Nova or something. And and I can't really hum it, but it went like something like, you know, uh, and that became the Austin Powers are you serious? They took, yeah. they took Quincy Jones' theme music yeah, for the pawn the broker. from the broker and made it the theme music for Austin Powers. Incredible. Yeah. Also, the pawnbroker was, I think, the first legitimate film to have nudity in it. Really? Yeah. Now, and Oh, and it was written by Irving Wallant, and I actually read the book. I read you the, read the pawn pawnbroker. And he also wrote, um, I think, Boys at the Gate and um, Tenants of Moonbloom. Wow. Can our crack team, our research team who's here, look up, say his name again? Irving, Irving Wallens. I must say that is a new one on me. And, and, you know, see, like last time I told, I was talking about The Swimmer sure. with Burt Lancaster, and I said written by John Cheever. I never read that one. <laughs> but at least but you I knew who the author did, was. Yes, but I did. I was just showing off. I was just saying that to get laid. <laughs> How'd that uh, work out but, for you? <laughs> well, any day now. Okay. Just no, no sense rushing. 
What? Another Seinfeld reference, John Cheever. Oh, the yes. The Cheever letters. Yes. Yeah. Rennie Santoni, what a reference. Now, in spite of knowing all of those people that you rattled yeah. off, I have not seen The Pawn Broker. Oh, terrific So now I'm movie. 0 for 2 because last week I, I hadn't seen, the last time we brought up uh, uh, The Swimmer, I had not seen The Swimmer. So now I need to see The Swimmer and The Pawn Broker. And The Pawn Broker. And, Ter- and Steiger, Steiger did the movie for $50,000, which was way beneath. Wait, it was like a low budget film, mm-hmm. but uh, he just he he just felt strongly about it, and he, and he did feel that was his greatest performance. So, Grot Steiger's th- yeah. felt his greatest performance was not in the Heat of the Night, which no. I believe he won the Academy and, and, Award you for. You know, that's interesting because he was up for the pawnbroker and lost out to Lee Marvin in um, was it Cat Baloo? Cat Baloo. Wow. And people feel, although he gave a great performance mm-hmm. in Heat of the Night, they feel like the award that he won for Heat of the Night was really meant for the pawnbroker. That's fast. Well, sometimes the Oscars do that. They make up for, you know, they give the award for a previous performance. So, so I might win this year. You could. Because I lost out on how to be a player. <laughs> I was a problem child, too. <laughs> How was Rod Steiger not nominated for W.C. Fields and Me? Oh, gosh. (laughs) With Carlotta. That was written by Carlotta something. What was her name? I remember Valerie Perrine. Yeah. Steiger, in his later years, started to talk like W.C. Fields. Really? It was weird. Um, Well, during the making of that movie... He forbid anyone to do a W.C. Fields imitation, which makes sense. Sure, sure. Screw him up. But when Steiger would give performances late in life, his voice became like that. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. That, I never, I never yeah. connected those two things. Yeah. That was around the time that you could see a lot of those bad biopics like oh Abel and Lombard. And there was W.C. Fields in me. What? And there was one about Valentino. Yes. With, uh, yes. with the dancer Rudolf Nureyev, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then TV started after they did The Late Shift. Uh, was that it? The Late Shift? The Late Show? Which one? That was about Leno and Oh, the late, sh- late Shift. Late Shift. Yeah. They TV started to do all those TV shows. Right. Like, uh, like... Robin Williams' life story. Well, they did behind. Was, was it behind the laughter? The Freddie Prince. Oh yes, yes. Yeah. I, and, prefer, I prefer the feature versions of bad it, biopics. But what what I love about biopics is that they got to put the information in, right? And they got to have like a terrible part. Oh, the bad tells, exposition. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> in in the one the one with Kevin Spacey about. Uh, I think, Bobby Darren. Yes, yeah. about Bobby Darren. Uh, John John Goodman plays his manager, uh-huh. and uh, Kevin Spacey says, "Oh, my career's a waste. I haven't done anything." And John Goodman has to say. What are you talking about, Bobby? You've already won 17 Emmys, which uh, broke broke the record. 500 Grammys. You were picked yeah. in 1968 as top performer in Vegas. 
It's only because audiences, modern audiences, won't stand for like spinning newspaper yeah. headlines. That's a way to do bad exposition. Okay, I so. want to talk about something that's just a little bit lighter than the pawnbroker. <laughs> And this is not what you would consider necessarily an obscure film because it was a popular film of its day. Um, and and the, the lead actor won the Academy Award. The movie is The Goodbye Girl. And we were talking recently uh, uh, with our guest, Craig Bierko, about Richard Dreyfus. There's a very funny yeah. Richard Dreyfus story, so listen for that episode. But um, it, it's, it's such a terrific picture. You know, they make a lot of romantic comedies. This is a good romantic comedy. It's not dumb, it doesn't insult your intelligence. Uh, maybe with the possible exception of the of the Sunshine Boys or the Odd Couple, I think it's the best Neil Simon movie, and uh, it's it's a terrific, smart picture. Herbert Ross directed it, who directed the Sunshine Boys and played against Sam and and My Blue Heaven and the Turning Point. And uh, you and I were talking about the history of of this movie, which people might not know yeah, about. This is so strange. It started as a movie called Bogart Slept Here, which was a Simon screenplay. And it was his wife at the time, Marsha Mason, was co-starring with Robert De Niro, of all people. And Mike Nichols was the director. And I I don't know if it was in rehearsals that it broke down or they actually shot footage. Uh, But at some point along the line, De Niro wasn't doing the comedy the way they expected it or, or he was doing a different kind of comedy. But they just shut it down. And Neil Simon went off and in six weeks rewrote the thing. And Richard Dreyfuss was brought into the project, and it was retitled The Goodbye Girl. By that time, Mike Nichols was gone, and they had a new director. And uh, it's a, it turns out to be a terrific picture. And it's one of those movies that has this weird history where you think it's all falling apart. The director leaves. The star leaves. Yes. The, you know, the star's not clicking with the director. The star's not clicking with the writer or the material. And, and this thing is, is pulled out of the scrap heap, or like I said, he, re- he put it together in six weeks. And uh, it's a it's a terrific picture that works on so many great levels, uh, so many levels. Dreyfus wins the Oscar; he's terrific. And uh, whatever happened to Quinn Cummings? <laughs> Do you remember Quinn Cummings? Was the little girl? Oh wow! She was, she was the acid-tongued girl, and it was such a big deal back then that you could have a child actor use profanity oh, on yes. screen, and it was so shocking. She's she's probably living with Donna Butterworth. Who? <laughs> she <laughs> Who's Donna Butterworth? Someone who we'll have to have on the podcast. She was the little girl in the family jewels with oh, Jerry God. Lewis. Oh, what a reference. And and I think she also worked like 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 seventy five percent of our guests with Elvis Presley. <laughs> did she work with Jack Benny? Someone tweeted me. Someone <laughs> tweeted me that with, every one of our guests has worked with Jack work Benny. Did she work with Danny Thomas? Or Danny Thomas? Or Danny Kay? So again, the the good part. It was remade uh, not very well with with Jeff Daniels. There was a TV movie version of it. Do not watch that one. Uh, watch the original. Paul Benedict, who was who was a, a funny British character actor, who you guys would know as Bentley. From oh yeah, from the Jeffersons. Plays a crazy director. Okay, here's a Paul Benedict story. Go. Paul Benedict, I heard, was once doing a play, and and someone said, oh, I'd like to talk to you after the play. They sent him a note. And he said, uh, you know, he was figuring, he'll just tell him, oh, I really enjoyed it. Can I have your autograph? 
and and the guy said, I'm a doctor, and I was looking at you on stage, and I think you might have acromegaly. I've heard this story. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which is one of those diseases used in several of the old horror movies. And he turned out to have acromegaly. Yeah, because yeah. he noticed, like, these people, they're growing out of proportion. They're usually very big as he was, and big hands, a big chin, like stuff out of proportion. I had, uh, that is that is why, yeah. that's the second acromegaly it, reference because we brought up Rondo Hatton. Rondo Hatton, the yes, Nolan the most episode. famous acromegaly, or as they called it in the movie Tarantula, they referred to it as acromegalia. Wow. Yeah. That is way off. <laughs> so, Paul Benedict, just to wrap it up. <laughs> Paul Benedict plays the the crazy yes. director who makes Richard Dreyfuss's a, a character Elliot Garfield play Richard the Third gay. He makes him play <laughs> he makes him play a mincing, which is timely because they just buried Richard the yes. Third. They just found his remains. Um, so see the picture. It's it's a it's a hilarious film. It's touching. It's it's just it's a romantic comedy that works on every level. And uh, as I said, not an obscure picture, but really one worth revisiting. So so. This week, we have uh, Sidney Lumet's film, Rod Steiger, in The Pawnbroker, and The Goodbye Girl. Which also has some nice uh, footage of, night of New York in the 70s, oh, since you brought it up. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'll see anything set in New York in the 60s oh, or 70s, yeah. just, to watch the, just to see the cigarette machines on the subway <laughs> platform. <laughs> so, I guess that's it. And Quinn Cummings, if you're out there, phone <laughs> Call <home>. us. <laughs> For God's sakes, call us Quinn Cummings. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Slicing I've been friends with her for 10 years. One of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.